or big, a big, build a bigger pulpit. <laughs> All right, a wider one. Wow, what a time of worship this morning. Man, it was powerful. You know, Danielle came up and to the prayer circle this morning, and she said, I feel like there's some restriction going on in my spirit or something like that. And, and what I seen was that there was some resistance, a wall of resistance. And we prayed over it, and we just asked God to allow the, what is really inside of her, not what she's feeling. You know, we sometimes go by what our, we feel and what is reality. is two different things. And so as we prayed over her, we see, and I said, let us look and see reality here when you step into a place of your identity, and that is a place of worship. So we see the results this morning. Amen. We see the results. We experience the results of what takes or has taken place this morning. And it's so easy to get up here after the air is kind of all the demonic activities and the lies that are floating around in our minds, and we enter into a place of worship, we enter into a place of setting with the Father and experiencing truth and experiencing His goodness as it flows over us. You know, this past week, thank you, Rifle. <clears throat> you know, this past week, I got a call on Monday, and Manny was supposed to, have, was supposed to be speaking today, and he says, Paul, do you think you can take over the, for me this week, to, for this Sunday? And I said, well... You know, you know, the Bible says we have to be instant in season and out of season, always having an answer, always giving a reason for what we believe. So do I think, do you think I got in, in the midst of my busy schedule said, oh, praise the Lord. I, I, yeah, sure. Yeah, I got plenty of time. It's just Monday and I'm preaching on Sunday. Sure, I got plenty of time. Heck No. I said, oh, Lord, I'm shaking in my shoes here. What, what do you want me to say here, you know, on Sunday? But even all this worship this morning is kind of has, has brought me to a, being on the tip of an arrow to bring this word this morning because all of what was going on this morning was all about bringing us into a closer relationship with the Lord. All, did you notice that? You know, we have a lot of worship going on in this place, fantastic worship. And, but this morning, for some reason, I kept on catching all these little words, little small words that showed me that I believe we were on target this morning to hear from the Lord. You know, I, be, I began to kind of think about having a relationship with the Lord. This morning, I want to entitle my message in this way, and I hope you've seen your bulletin. How many of you read your bulletins? You should be able to see on the front there what I was going to be preaching on, so your mind should begin to be thinking in that direction, not out there on the weather, you know, not about going to eat afterwards, but focusing and bringing yourself into the reality of what God wants to do this morning. The title of my message this morning is Seeing Jesus for Who, for who He Is. Think about that for a minute. Seeing Jesus for who he is. If I were to ask you the question this morning, how many of you know Jesus? Probably every one of you would just jump up with joy and say, yes, I know him. But as I began to do a little bit more study, because everyone knows Jesus, even the unsaved know, say they know Jesus. 
But when it comes right down to knowing Jesus, it's not about just knowing about him, but having that personal relationship with him. So here I began to think about something deeper. It's not just about knowing about him. We need to know what this word to know means. And I would like to plant in your mind this morning the word genosko. We hear it all the time in Christian language. But do you ever take time to really understand what it means? One of my downfalls growing up and as getting into the drug world, I dropped out of high school in the ninth grade. So I missed out on a lot of vocabulary. I missed out on a lot of learning, understanding words. But because I had an interest in reading, I always read a lot, even though of the lifestyle that I lived. So as I got saved... I built a library around myself of every commentary you could think of, every Bible dictionary, because I didn't want to miss out on one word that meant something that would change the whole uh, perspective on any given subject. And so when I teach, I like to be able to bring certain words to the platform and the definition so that we can all be on the same page. So when you say you know someone, it's, it's, it's in the word, the Genosco word means to learn to get to know, and Rifle mentioned that this morning as he was saying, we are getting to know this Jesus. We are getting to know his goodness or to perceive or even more deeper, as Danielle was saying this morning, she, all her songs was about intimacy. It's about getting to know him in a real personal one-on-one -on -one, when the doors are closed type of relationship. And that's what Jesus died for. He died that we might come into the genosco knowing, ever growing into knowing him. But so often the cares of, the, of this world chokes it out. We get so busy in life doing other things that we kind of kick Jesus to the side. And you know, this week I began to think about that in my own personal life. I have a business of my own. I'm, I'm, I'm the only one that usually works that job. My son helps me from time to time. And I have been overrun with work lately, which is the blessing of heaven. But at the same time, blesses, blessings can be a curse if you don't have them in the right perspective. And so this week, in the past few weeks, I've been so busy. I really haven't taken time, honestly, to get to know Jesus in the time span that I have. Because every day should be an ever-knowing, getting-to-know-Jesus moment. But do we? Do, are we getting to Genosco Jesus like he wants to for us to know him. We know he knows all about us, but do we know him? That's why when Christ is coming to our lives, we find ourselves in a panic mode because we really don't know what Jesus knows or says about us. We don't know who we are, so we start just kind of flipping out, freaking out like, oh my God, I'm out of, I'm, I'm out of control here. But in reality, if we know our Father, we don't need to ever be in that panic mode. But I feel in my heart this morning that every one of us, and this message is for those who know him, getting to know him, and those in here that may, not, that may think they know him and have had a relationship with him or have come to know him. Because I believe all of us here this morning need to have a refresher course on the goodness of God and a reminder of the blessings of knowing him. Every one of us. I often wonder why we have to have preachers. 
rifle headed on the headed on the head this morning. We says Jesus said, "You no need, longer need someone to teach you," but it's sad that we do, because half of us, including myself, from week to week, I can't go from week to week. I got to have something daily. I got to have something daily in my life to help me get through the day. It's a tough world we live in. But, for, but because we don't take time to get to know Jesus like he wants us to know him, because we get busy or, or, or things pop up out of nowhere, we don't get to spend that intimate time with him and build ourselves up in the most holy faith, if you want to use those words this morning. And after coming to know Jesus many years ago, I'm still asking the question, Paul, do you really know who Jesus is? It's been 41 years, October 6, 1978, 41 years ago, this past month, well, this month, I have known the Lord. But I know this for a fact. I don't know him like I really want to know him. He is so wonderful. He's so amazing. We sang about that this morning, how beautiful you are, how wonderful you are. But do we really take the time to know him? The question is, do we really know who he is. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says this. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now that I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I am known. As Jesus knows us, we should be progressing forward to knowing him better, just like he knows us. This is all about relationship. It's all about getting to know him, getting to be secure in who you are. You know, the longer I walk with him, the more I want to get to know him. He's just that kind of guy. He's just that wonderful. He's just that amazing. Think about that this morning. Where would you be today if it wasn't for this man named Jesus? This morning, I would like to look at our text, Luke 19, 1 through 10. I want to talk about a man who was a religious man. He was a man who was busy in life, trying to get all he could get for himself, but at the same time, this man has really has had a bad name given to him. Because all of us is about this man that we're getting ready to talk about. Luke 19, 1 through 10 says this. And Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus was always on a mission. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus was there. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man like Paul is, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus since he was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. 
All the people around him saw this and began to mutter and say, he's going to be a guest at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today's salvation, deliverance, Zacchaeus, has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Man, what a beautiful story of compassion. What a beautiful story of the heart of God. You know, God wants us to know his heart. And here we have a perfect example of a relationship of humanity. For the most part, all of us know that there's a God in heaven. There's a man named Jesus. But do we really know him? Zacchaeus had heard about many exciting things that this man, Jesus, had done. And here he sees and here's the opportunity that Jesus was coming this way, as we see in this passage of Scripture. In this passage of Scripture, we have at least in these ten verses six things that point us to the greatness of this man named Jesus. But so often in life, we allow the enemy to rob us of this ongoing, ongrowing relationship that God wants to have with us, that Jesus wants to have with us. So what does those things look like? I think for the most part, every one of us, of what I'm going to talk about today, has, has experienced it, or will experience it, and I believe we need to experience it even more. So we find this story of Zacchaeus knowing Jesus is coming. Zacchaeus has a very bad name in the city, being a Jew working for the Roman government, chief tax collector. The bad thing about this job he had is that he took extra money that did not belong to him. But if you do enough study about this man, you'll know that he just didn't pocket all this money The story goes that Zacchaeus was a man who took some of that money and he helped the poor in the same city in which he was ridiculed. He was a man who was wealthy, had a lot of power, he was rich, but yet he took his wealth to help those who were broken, those who needed food, and that was the history behind Zacchaeus. But most people just talk about this guy as someone who stole from the common man. He wanted to get to know this man, Jesus. He was doing some good things in the city. But as we find here at the end of the story, it says that he repented. He says, Lord, Lord. Otherwise, he did about face. He said, I I agree that I'm not living the lifestyle that I should be living. And it says, if I have wronged anyone, I will pay back double. The law says you pay 1% to 2% back. He was going to pay 4% or four times as much back for his wrong. He wanted a relationship with Jesus so bad. He said, look, I will go broke to have a relationship with him. But Jesus says, look, I just want to hang out with you. I just want to get to know you. So here this morning, I want to show you some of the things that takes place in the life of Zacchaeus that we have all experienced 
And if you have never come to know Jesus, this is a grand opportunity for you. The first thing we find here is in verses 1 through 5 in our text. The first thing we see here is that Jesus did for Zacchaeus was this, and he's done it for us, and he will do it over and over again. It says here that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. The scripture says that Jesus was passing through the land. From the time Jesus was born until the time he went to the cross, that was his mission. But one thing I know, and we have all experienced, is this. And the thing that he did was Zacchaeus blew his mind, but because everyone else didn't do what Jesus did. It says here in our, in our text this morning, that says that, that you and I can experience and have experiences this, that he will never pass you by. See, Jesus in his busy schedule, like all of us experience on a day-to-day basis, Jesus was headed to Jerusalem. He could have easily said, no, I'm not going to stop. Yeah, I see you, but I'm too busy. Don't you know that I'm going to the cross? Don't you know that my life is more important than me stopping and talking to you? Jesus could have been overwhelmed by his life of going to the cross and not taking time. But he didn't. You know, Jesus will always take time for you and I. No matter where we are, no matter what we have done. Think about that. What have the lies have you believed this week or even believed coming to church this morning? Of something you may have said or done or didn't do or whatever the case may be. The thing about Jesus is this. He will never pass you by no matter how busy he is. My question to you this morning is for those around you, for those that you meet every day, for those that you run into, are you too busy? Am I too busy to take time for them? That's the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is showing love to those who are broken hearted, those who need a helping hand, those who are hurting and broken to a place of isolation. Lamentations 3.22 and 23 says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. I think about people who's that are in situations where they have not experienced this or have allowed the enemy to lie to them and not know that because of the Lord's great love for you, for me, we are not consumed. I remember before getting saved, not coming to know Jesus, I felt that many, many times. You know my story. I was on the verge of committing suicide when Jesus came and showed me a vision of himself and his love. 
And here I am 41 years later, still getting to know him. For it says, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is the faithfulness of our Lord. Where would we be today if it wasn't for this? I was riding over here this morning. I was crossing the bridge, and I got this holy giggle. You ever get these holy giggles like, yeah, Lord, I got you. You know, I thought about someone eating breakfast right or popping their health, those vitamin C, Bs, Gs, Es, EFGs, the whole alphabet, you know, and then some Greek and a little Hebrew language in there. And I got to thinking, I said, man, we need to start popping some compassion in us. We need to start receiving God's love into us, you know. We need to understand that, you know, His, his mercies are new. We need to start popping those mercy pills inside of us. You know, what a, what a health plan. You wake up in the morning and you start thinking about God's mercy. You start thinking about His compassion. You, know, you, think, you start thinking about His love. But, you know, we get our minds full of deadlines and commitments. We start thinking about the cares of this life instead of thinking about Him. Instead of being outwardly focused, we need to start being inwardly focused of who Jesus really is to us. Says his, 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 his mercies are new every morning. So when we wake up, we should start saying, you know what, Jesus, I thank you that you are not passing me by this morning, that you are, you are speaking to heaven, speaking from heaven to me, and that I can receive this into my spirit, that I can be built up and strong and, and strengthened for the day ahead. Another thing we find about this man, Jesus, this amazing man named Jesus, is that Jesus will always come to where you are. He not only wasn't going to pass Zacchaeus, and he didn't ask Zacchaeus to come meet him somewhere, but he said that Jesus said, I will always come to where you are. It says in verse 5 and 6, it says, when he reached the spot where Zacchaeus was, in other words, Jesus made an approach towards Zacchaeus because he wanted to have that relationship. The Bible says that Jesus came looking for us, and he chose us. You know, we, we didn't go looking for Jesus. The Bible says that all have gone astray. We're like sheep who've gone astray. No one's looking for Jesus. But Jesus, without his love, reaching down and touching us, getting a hold of us, shaking us sometimes, he had to shake me. He had to get a hold of me, and he had to shake me into a place of, like my mother said, Paul, I have preached the gospel, I have lived the gospel, I have done everything, and if a miracle doesn't happen, you will not be here. The last straw was at a vision. I seen a vision, and I was able to connect with heaven. I wasn't looking for God. I was looking for next, the next fix. That's all I was looking for in life. I didn't even care if I had friends, as long as I had some more drugs or something like that. You know, another thing I think about, a story of Adam and Eve. Right after they sinned, what did, what did God do? How many of you know what God did? Put up your hand right here. Yeah, yeah. It says that God came down in the cool of the garden, and he said what? Where are you? Adam and Eve didn't go, yes, here I am. I just sinned. Here we are. Hey. No, he didn't do that at all. God came down and said, wait a minute, there's been a shift. 
this is not who I created you to be. I created you to be sons and daughters, to live for eternity, to not have to face sin, not to face hardship. But because there was a shift, Adam and Eve, God visited them in the garden. He came down and says, come, come with me. Come back to me. I am glad that Jesus spoke. God spoke to me. He says, come back to your rightful place. We think that we have to be in a certain place or at a certain time in order to have fellowship with Jesus. That's the religious mindset. I have been in places and churches where they won't even move the piano or the organ. Oh, but Jesus wouldn't like that. It's been there for 50 years, man. We're not going to move out. If we do, we're not having a service today. Oh, oh, we gotta, we got we to gotta bow down and pray every time. See, these are the religious mindsets. But Jesus told a story to a woman, a Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, 21 through 26. What did he say? Jesus declared, declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. It's so funny because he included himself in that story. He could have said, yeah, you Samaritans, you're missing it. You're a bunch of religious people. You're saying we have to do this and that. But Jesus said, even we are a little off sometimes. You know, we Christians sometimes get into this religious mindset that, well, I've got to be in the house of the God on Sunday morning, every Sunday. I, you know what? I honor people to do that. But if you get into that mindset, it's a religious mindset. We'll find out why I'm saying that right now. It says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus being a Jew. He said, yet a time is coming, and now, now. Remember Rifle a couple weeks ago? It's now, it's now, it's now, it's now. Were you here when he said that? Now is now. It's not tomorrow. It's now. And he says, it has come now, has come when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is a spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman says, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. Wait a minute. That sounds like the disciples, right? The disciples were with Jesus all the time. And still didn't know who he was until the very end. He says, when he comes, my papers are sticking together. He will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. My question to you this morning, do you remember the spot on which or place where Jesus met you? Think about that. First thing, he'll never pass you by. Never. I don't care what you do or where you go. Number two, he'll always come to where you are. I think it's good that we sometimes go back and think about just for a moment that day that you met Jesus. I love doing that. Man, what a shift. What a change in my life. I mean, I look at, around me for those old friends that I have. They're all still messed up, most of them, and, and I'm here saved and living a life that it's so beautiful. 
I remember that it wasn't by my effort of, oh, well, I'll just. But Jesus came to where I was at. He met me on the third floor apartment down in the worst ghetto of South Richmond. And he met me there. He said, things are going to be okay. Do you remember the spot or place where he met you? Zacchaeus met Jesus in Jericho. Where were you? The third thing I know about Jesus is this, and we need to be reminded of, is he will always look up to you, not down on you. It says, when Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and said to him, who's the one that condemns? Who's the one that looks down on you? Who's the one that brings false accusations against the children of God? Does Jesus, when you mess up during the day, here was Zacchaeus stealing money, but it didn't say, oh, look at you, Zacchaeus. Look what you've done. No, he doesn't do that. And you know, every one of us, if you want to be right down to it, blow it on a daily basis somehow. The smallest attitude is a, is a blowing moment. We sometimes say things out of our mouth that we wish we wouldn't have said. Thoughts that we think. But Jesus doesn't stand there all day long pointing down at you going, wow, what are you doing? No, he's saying, come on. Come on, I want to I lift you up out of there. I want to take you from that place where you're at. I want to move you forward into a greater place than you are now. That's what Jesus is all about, taking us from one place to another place. Jesus was not there to condemn Zacchaeus. He is not there to condemn us, but to bring the best out in, in his people. You may be sitting here this morning and go, wow, I don't know if I can really receive that. I've been beat up so much, been lied to so much, I can't believe that this man Jesus would actually want to do that. You know, the hardest thing about receiving the greatness of God and all of he has is forgiving yourself sometimes. It's a hard thing if you live the hard life or just a sneaky life. Even good people live sneaky lives, doing things that, well, it's not that bad. Oh, yes, it's that bad. It is that bad. But you don't see Jesus sneaking around the corner and condemning you. No, he's always about grabbing you by the hand and pulling you up. He's always looking up to you, never looking down on you. He's never about condemning. He's never about lying to you. He's all about saying you're greater than that. And that's what he was saying to Zacchaeus. John 3.17 says this. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn it. That's the work of the enemy. That's why people don't want to come to Jesus because they think when they hear the voice of condemnation that they think it's Jesus, it's God condemning them. He says, but that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to give life and give it to the most, utmost, the best. For us, we need to begin to realize that. When something comes into your life or you say something or do something or something bad happens, always look for the good in the midst of it. 
because you'll find Jesus right there. You'll always find Jesus right there. The fourth thing I find about this story is that he called Zacchaeus by name. It says in verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, number one, came to where he was, he looked up to him. He didn't condemn him. But when he came to Zacchaeus, he called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. He says, don't make haste. Come down now. This is a very important divine moment. So when you're meeting with Jesus, know it's divine. Know it's not just some other man. But heaven is open. See, to the world, to the world out there that doesn't know Jesus, they don't understand this relationship. But for us, we ought to begin, it should become just like secondhand. It should become so sweet and so intimate walking in this new life. Because every day for me, after 40 years, is still like I just met him. It's getting better all the time. I can't realize, I can't, I mean, it's just, there's nothing that can compare to it. But the religious leaders in Zacchaeus' day called him a sinner. But Jesus wanted Zacchaeus to know what his real name meant. You know, the word Zacchaeus, like all of us have heavenly, heavenly names that are attached to our names. My wife is really good about meeting people. We're out to dinner, and she'll say, hey, she says, what's your name? And then she says, Paul, I've got to go home and do a name study on that girl. I said, well, go right ahead. You know, and then she'll come up with his name. So now I'm going, hey, that's Zacchaeus. I wonder what his name meant. So I went into the, started studying, and I found that his name meant pure, pure one, not a sinner. See, the world out there will call you a lot of names. It's called me a lot of names. Still calls me a lot of names. But when you're standing in your divine calling, in your divine destiny, knowing who you are, you know, my name means small one, short in stature. Now, how come it's shorter can you get? I mean, crap. Now, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, sorry about that, Daniel. I mean, uh, she, she should be in the back corner somewhere right now. But, you know, I often wonder, God, how in the world is my name Paul means small of stature? And how did that all work out? Oh, forget it. I'm just going to take it for it and run because it's true. What can I say here? Uh, but, you know, God is always about bringing us back to a place of before the fall. The world calls you a sinner. The world calls you this and that. And, you know, but Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who are you really? You know, before the fall, who were you really? Who were you? You were my sons and my daughters, the pure one. And we got to battle against that. That's probably one of the number one things we battle against, I think, is really understanding what Jesus says about us. When we were there before the foundations of the world, like the Scripture says, and Jesus Paul, you are this and that and the other. Come here, and it's what I am, you know. But see, in the world, we have to be careful because people will label us, and we're not that at all. I remember in a church I belonged to before, I remember... Pastors were calling me in the office one day, and they were getting ready to send me, my wife and I out to start a church. And they said, where do you think you see yourself at? I said, well, I'm an inner city. I'm an inner city. I've been in the inner city. 
I bet it's where I lived all my life, except when I was about 11 or 12 when my father died. We moved out of the country. So, oh, yeah, you're going to be a pastor in a country church because that's where you belong. I said, okay, I might dress like a com- country guy, okay? I might talk like a country guy, but my heart is not in the country. I'm interested as you can get. I mean, this whole area, Gray Street, this, is my, this was my stomping grounds. Done, done and been part of the biggest concerts in Richmond right there in Monroe Park. Okay? But I am not, I don't see myself going into some country environment, which is great. But that's not who I am. But see how people label you. And we sometimes got to be careful of that because when God is speaking to you about inner city and you got all these people prophesying, you've got to make sure that you're connected with Jesus, that you have such a relationship with him, you'll understand that, yeah, I need to talk about this. Because God is always trying to call us back to a place of who we truly are. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says this, From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We've got to come from the now of this world to a place of the now of the supernatural. God is just trying to get us to begin to think on higher levels and higher planes. Danielle was saying that this morning. Rifle was saying that. There's a shift in the atmosphere that God is taking us to a different place. Physically, but also in our personal relationship with Him. You know, I was thinking this morning, and you know, when truth hits you, you either own it or just reject it altogether. I'm sitting here on the front row, and we're standing, and I'm kind of like, you know, you know, like this, Dan. And Daniel was saying, yeah, we've got to dance like David danced and singing, you know. I'm thinking, hold it now. If Jesus is dancing and he's inside of me and I'm not dancing, something is just not right. Because if Jesus is inside of me and I'm not acting like Jesus is acting in me, I should be dancing right now. I'm thinking, wait, Lord, I gotta, I gotta, something's got to shift here. But so often they were saying, we dance like David danced or or Jesus inside of you. And we don't, we're not like that. We don't even act like I'm like, what's going on? My, who I really am is not lining up with who God has called me to be. First Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We're not people to be labeled. We, are not letting, we should not allow the world to label us like Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus was a sinner. Oh, you're just a sinner. Poor you. You're just a sinner. But Jesus says, well, I've got a greater plan than that for you. Before the fall, you were a chosen people, a royal people, a great people, a powerful people. Even when we're going through hard times in life, we're still powerful. We are not, we are not to say, well, I'm going through a trial right now and I'm any less than. No. Jesus is still Jesus in me, no matter the circumstances. The last thing I'm going to talk to you about is this. He will always offer hope and freedom for the future. Think about this man, Zacchaeus, in a town. It was a big town. Jericho was huge. It was known for some of the most fragrant flowers and trees and palm trees. And just, it was, it was, they say it was one of the most beautiful places to live. It was a busy port. It was a busy place. And, uh, but here he is. He's in a little small area of that same town. 
that people knew who he was and what he was. But yet, when Jesus came to town, he did something very amazing for him. Verse 6 says that Jesus looked up to Zacchaeus and says, come down out of that tree. And he came down and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus was probably saying, wait a minute. Who is this Jesus? Who is this man Jesus? Does he know who I am? Everybody around me. Nobody really cares about me. But yet, here's Jesus coming and saying, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. I'm going to stay at your house today. You know, at that moment, it says that Zacchaeus came down right away. I can imagine the inside of Zacchaeus was just bubbling. He was excited that someone would take time for him. He would take time for a man that the world would label a sinner instead of saying, you're going to be my friend. I could hear the crowd saying, wait a minute. Do they know who this cheater is? See, people thought in that town that the religious leaders thought that if Jesus came to town, they would surely have dinner with me. But when he seen Zacchaeus and he called him out of the tree, he wasn't concerned if he, what, what he was all about. He just wanted to have fellowship with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was probably thinking, did I really hear Jesus call my name? For me, when I got saved, I questioned my own thoughts too. Wait a minute. What's going on here? Don't you know who I am, Jesus? I'm a sinner. I'm away from you. But yet, I responded to the call because I wanted to know who this Jesus was. You know, this morning, you may be in that place this morning that you've kind of forgotten the goodness of God in your life. We all do it. We all come to a place that we know Jesus is inside of us, and we see evidence of him. But do we really genosco him? Is our heart pounding for the passion of knowing him? We can't be left in yesteryears. There's a shift in the atmosphere. There's a shift that harvests. I'm not talking to people out there at first bath. I'm talking to you, my brothers and sisters, this morning, that you will bring yourself to a place of praying and crying out to God, God, I want to know you more so than I know now. That's the only way we're going to be able to continue to hear the voice of God and run with Him. He's got such a great plan for us. He's got a great plan for each one of you individually. You can already attest to that, but he's got far greater things that he wants to do. So as we've seen, he didn't pass Zacchaeus by. He always will look up to you. He will always offer you hope and a future. Where do you see yourself this morning? Are you believing the lies of the enemy that I don't know if I can get through this one or not? Or are you coming down out of that fig tree today and saying, you know what? I'm going to trust Jesus with my heart one more time. He will never let you down. He will never let you down. It may feel like it. It may seem like it. 
but you will see the results as you turn your heart toward the Lord. Let us stand. You know, I was thinking about this message, and I began to think about a song that I used to sing when I first got saved. Deep and wide, deep and wide, deep and wide. Oh, that was the third. No. And it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper and wider and wider. And yes, that's how Jesus is. I was giving my testimony the other day to someone, and they asked me about him. And I said, well, you know, this is my story. And we all have one. I said, the most exciting thing about this Christian walk, first, it is real. Number two is it gets deeper and deeper, wider and wider. And it's, it's, it never, Jesus is never ending. He never runs out. He's never boring. He's always exciting. You think you got him cornered in one aspect of life. And he says, wait a minute, I'm over here. So you, spend, you should be focusing back over here with him. But so often we get caught up in the mundane things of life. And we don't receive the fountain of life that flows from within. There's a fountain. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you for your fountain this morning, Lord. Thank you for your fountain. Father, thank you that you come to the brokenhearted. Thank you that you're there for us, Lord, that you would never pass us by. You know, sometimes our spouses will pass us by, our friends, but Lord, the promise of your word is that you'll never pass us by. Thank you, Father, when you came to that place where we were lost years ago. You reached out to us and you called us. You showed your grace and your mercy and compassion to bring us to you. You're so amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Thank you for your patience with us, Lord, that you don't cast us down or condemn us when we blow it. Maybe this morning you're in a place of you can commit your heart back to the Lord. Maybe you've gotten busy in life and you said, you know what? I really haven't had a talk with Jesus in a long time. If you're here this morning, you say, you know, I just need to come to the altar. I invite you up this morning. We all need a refresher course in getting to know Jesus. You will see and know the difference when you recommit your life back to Him. You will know and experience the fresh fire, the fresh wind of heaven when you turn your heart back to the Lord. Not that you're evil, not that you've done such an evil thing, but so often... We need to come back and let the fire of heaven rekindle our hearts. 
I thought about that this week. I said, Lord, I want to come back to, your, to the place where I first met you, your, that first love. Because there's a first love. When you go back there, you will know, hey, the God that I serve is real. He rules and he reigns in our lives. But so often we try to do things in our own strength, in our own power. We're weak and we're frail without him. You know, I can be working on a project and spend all day and it takes one prayer and it brings me right back to a place of, hey, there that thing was that I lost. God opens our eyes. We thank that we're doing just fine. But in reality, if we're not spending time with Him, we need to come back to your first love. I open up the altar and I ask that the prayer team would come up this morning as well. If the prayer team is here. Would they come up now and pray with people this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come to the altar this morning. Come and get prayer. The Lord says, if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, He will lift you up. He will not humble you, but if you humble yourself, He will lift you up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Need prayer this morning. Please come forward. this opportunity to have pray with you this morning. For those of you who have to leave, go, go right ahead and leave. Thank you for coming today. We look forward to seeing you next week. I pray that you'll have a great week. In Jesus' name.